I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Slot and Christian Kirk is where we want to go back to. Lawrence... He's going to go long, and it's caught by Kirk. Remember, in these two games last year against the Chiefs, he had 12 and 14 targets. That's why I'm going to Christian Kirk's receiving prop. It's time to go prop shopping on BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. This is a banger. Absolutely banger. Well done, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Strowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. We will get to John Daigle in just a bit. But first, one key headline uh, that we've got to talk about, Joe, involves the Dallas Cowboys. And maybe this is one of the reasons why people are a little bit more optimistic about the 49ers when the Super Bowl is because the Cowboys have lost cornerback Trayvon Diggs for the season. A really tough way to go down, especially during practice of all times. Uh, but definitely he was someone who was a feast or famine, uh, kind of a defensive back. And to lose him for the season, it is significant. Yeah, people had such strong opinions on both sides with Diggs, and, but uh, everybody can't agree that that is a massive loss for the way they were playing. Uh, good thing for them this week, at least it's, it's a soft matchup, but the way that they've just dominated teams, like that's, oh man, that's going to be something. So we'll see if they end up doing anything down the road because they could be viewing it as, hey, this is our year. Things are looking uh, so good where they're just not going to sit by and see if they can figure it out. All right, let's do this. Joining us now, John Daigle, a four for four in bet spurts. And John, when we talk about uh, the loss for Trayvon Diggs, specifically when it comes to this upcoming game against the Cardinals, that the Cowboys should certainly win, but we are talking about a massive spread. So when it comes to the side and maybe even some key props, what stands out to you as far as how to bet on this game because of the absence of Diggs? It's also so interesting because the Cowboys put themselves in this position every single year, uh, have never been a depth team. They haven't worried about that since Bill Parcells. That's why they've found like undrafted free agent Tony Romo and others on their depth chart. Uh, And now they're in the same spot again. So honestly, it's just tough because the Cardinals also, although they're competing with teams They've been frisky the first two weeks. They're still running the same exact players out there. Their three wide sets are still just Rondell Moore, Michael Wilson, and Marquise Brown. They're using James Conner for every single touch. And so the ball doesn't go anywhere else but those four players. Um, Obviously, Zach Ertz as well is leading every single tight end and target share. And so if you have to pick one, I do actually think it's Rondell Moore because he gets the concerted targets. They're not sexy. Like, he only has a two-yard depth of target, but he's the one they're actually putting out there to at least get the purposeful targets. They're scheming him in the passing game, whereas Michael Wilson and Marquise Brown are still being forced to earn their own opportunities. So if I have to look anywhere, it's probably a Rondell Moore over, but ugh, that's not pretty. It's really just an ugly game, to be quite honest with you. 
Uh, John, I want to talk about running backs with you because there are some very, very intriguing spots with names that a lot of people were not talking about just a week or so ago. You've got, of course, Ford with Cleveland now stepping in, and he's supposed to be the feature back. We have a trade uh, going on with Minnesota. They bring in Akers. Is he going to be involved at all in what is the highest total of the week. We've got uh, Kendry Miller. It looks like he's going to step in with Jamal Williams being down this week. Camaro uh, suspended another week. Brees Hall's complaining about the lack of touches that he has. How are the Jets going to respond? What What are some of the more interesting looks that you're going to be betting on in the props market involving running backs? Ford under is certainly interesting because I do believe he'll be in every touchback. Obviously, no Kareem Hunt last week whenever Nick Chubb was injured, but they still trusted Jerome Ford enough with Pierre Strong active to allow him to t- out-touch Strong 18-2 the rest of the way. I would think, given that they already chose Ford over Hunt this offseason, that Hunt simply falls mm-hmm. back into his previous role of last year, which was eight and a half touches per game. Non-impactful. At the same time, though, how many times do we have to do this before people realize you cannot run on this Titans front seven? They were top five against the run and yards per carry to running backs last year. So far, they've limited the two players. Everyone has tried to play against them. Uh, Josh Kelly last week as the Chargers featured back included. And so it's just another unfavorable situation. So I think we look to Jerome Ford under since we can set our watch to unders against the Titans front seven and the 49ers front seven all the time. Breida got there in a touchdown last night, but even his under over under was 32 and a half yards. And it's like, no one is going to get there against them as they did last year. And then for Cam Akers, it's interesting because they obviously needed juice. I don't know if they have the juice after that trade, but they obviously needed something else (laughs) because that backfield had one 10 yard touch all year so far. And it was an 18 yard catch from Ty Chandler in week one. They just need something else. And now they have nepotism working in their favor since Kevin O'Connell obviously had Cam Akers playing under him in L.A. as well. And so if you told me mm-hmm. to pick one long term, I certainly do think it's Akers. But it's also not going to be against this game, even if he's active. Uh, recall Christian McCaffrey turned around and still, and still was just a part-time player on less than 50% of the team snaps with the 49ers, and that's Christian McCaffrey. More importantly, for the Chargers – Can you run on them? Sure. Derrick Henry had success on 20-plus touches. But also, it's about them being more of a pass funnel. So there's really no need for the Chargers to even try, or for the Vikings to even try to run the ball against them. Um, They don't need to see if they have a running back yet. Since the Chargers, 25% of the plays against them so far have gone for 15-plus yards through the air. You can have success throwing against them. So the Vikings are probably just going to keep doing that. It's also kind of why I like Josh Kelly, too, because uh, and Josh Kelly overs this week, because I believe the Chargers are going to flip the script on offense. Um, We saw them be a run-heavy team in week one against Miami because we thought that's how they had to dictate Vic Fangio's defense. 16 carries for Eckler, 16 carries for Kelly, 
five scrambles for Justin Herbert even, which shows us that's what they wanted to do. And then, of course, last week against the Titans, a 70% pass play rate from neutral game script. This week, since we just saw Brian Flores be stubborn against the Eagles and keep the safeties high and say, I dare you to beat us by running the ball. And the Eagles said, okay, and we're going to average six yards per carry. We're going to beat you that way. I kind of think that's what the Chargers will lean into and slow that game down. So I'm on a tandem Josh Kelly over, Chargers under in that one. I love it. I had uh, Jerome Ford under 45 and a half written down, so you just solidified. I'm going to pull the trigger <laughs> on that one. And if you like it, uh, it's going to 44 and a half at a lot of places right now, so I would jump on that one quickly. What and, about in the passing and, game? Aaron, uh, sorry, to, sorry to cut you off. Uh, I forgot that we also discussed Kendry Miller. I don't yes. know Kendry Miller's role, but big fan. A uh, very big prospect who also had a 20-yard run in 12 of 14 games last year, uh, a career 6.7 yards per carry for T- with TCU for his entire career. And the path has kind of been paid for him to be of every down back if they choose to use him that way. He was limited in every practice before Monday night and then scratched. He's going to be full for most practices this week. And it's just the fact that they didn't even want to use Tony Jones early in that game. Taysom Hill had outcarried Tony Jones 3-1 to one until Jamal Williams got injured. And then Tony Jones was the only healthy running back on the roster, so they had no choice but to default to him. But if they do want to showcase Miller before Kamara comes back in week four, this is certainly the time. So Miller's, Miller is at the very least interesting in this game, as you mentioned. Love it. Uh, I want to ask you about the passing game, quarterback props, whether it's passing yards, attempts, uh, anything like interceptions, uh, anything that stands out to you on the board this week. For passing props, it's a little bit tougher. Uh, I like Russell Wilson, as odd as that is, um, because what's happening in the Broncos games early on. And, and I think we had a signal last week, but that Washington Denver total was under 40 points and I couldn't pull the trigger. I didn't have enough courage, but this week I kind of want to go back to it. I I'm on the over on Broncos dolphins and maybe the humidity of Miami screws this one over uh, the sunlight, of course, built to just shine and beat down on the opponent in Miami. So maybe I don't win this one overall. But honestly, what we're seeing right now in Broncos games, something I want to be ahead of, is that they have the perfect cocktail for overs and points in those games in general. Because right now, Denver's offense has quietly scored a touchdown on the fifth highest rate of their possessions. Their offense is not the issue. Although they have the pieces on defense, for some odd reason, they've been absolutely miserable. Uh, Even the Raiders scored a touchdown on... Oh, on a, the top five rate in the league of their drives in week one. And then, of course, last week we saw Sam Howe have no issues, 35 points on offense against them. Um, Denver's defense right now, 29th in pressure rate despite, despite blitzing at the seventh highest rate in the league. They're just not getting there and they're not causing any havoc at all. So if they're allowing everyone to come through the air against them, even if Jalen Waddle's out this game, I think Miami can find success quite easily and force – the Broncos into an over and to pass the ball more. So I do like Russell Wilson over sneakily this week. (laughs) My model agrees with you intuitively. That makes a lot of sense. I think the Dolphins can very well score a ton of points in that contest. One game I want to talk about that should be high scoring as well as the Chargers and the Vikings, but I want to frame the question this way. 
even though there are a lot of headliners in a game like this and we have a really high total, should we be careful simply backing or betting overs on these headline players? Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I believe so, although it does set up well for someone like a Jordan Addison or a KJ Osborne since the boundary specifically is where the Chargers are just getting consistently beat. Uh, and again, I don't know how much the Vikings will try to run the ball anyways. I personally am still on the over. It's indoors. It's pro- or on the under, as I mentioned earlier. It's indoors. It probably will come back to, to bite me, especially because no one wants to bet an under. Um, that's like the worst way to live your life. But at the same time, yes, we have seen everyone, as you all know, have success against the Chargers so far. Uh, we talked a little bit earlier how they're just allowing explosive passes. But even Ryan Tannehill, who who did have the rushing touchdown, but he completed 83% of his passes after he looked completely washed in week one. So it's just right now, for some reason, on the boundary, uh, Joey Bosa also DMP on Thursday. We'll see what happens today. But right now, that Chargers defense is just doing nothing at all to push back. All three of the Vikings receivers, Osborne, Addison, and Jefferson, have depth the targets over 10 yards because all the team has done is, is – pull in T.G. Hawkinson, 81% of Hawkins' targets have come within nine yards of the line of scrimmage. They've just pulled him in underneath and said, you get all these little cute short routes. If you fall in for a a couple touchdowns, great, that's fine. But the whole point of you is just to get open underneath while everyone else runs deep. They're kind of just running their offense the same way every single week. So it does bode well for overs if we think Cousins is going to drop back and throw 40 times again. Uh, It's tough, though. You, you would have to look like Jefferson props are always too high, in my opinion. Addison is getting run as the third receiver. They aren't playing him over, but he's looked so good so far. You would think the breakout is coming soon where he has to play over KG Osborne. But honestly, if you told me to pick one, I think it would be Osborne receiving overs since he is out there still in two wide sets. 
Uh, the other day we talked about the idea that C.J. Stroud could just continue to have a ton of passing yards. Was it more of the matchup yeah. or is it something that we're going to see a lot this year? Because you, know, you look at this weekend and they don't have anybody in the secondary. Like It's probably no. going to be an issue where they're going to be trailing and they're going to have to pass, pass, pass. And he's done pretty good as opposed to some of the other rookies as far as turning the ball over. Uh, what sort of ceiling do you think is there for Stroud? And are, and are you expecting to have some of the some of these blow-up games where he's going for 350-plus? Under the circumstances, I think he's looked like the best rookie quarterback so far. He's been incredible. The fact he doesn't have an interception through these two games without three starting offensive linemen, um, as I'm sure you all have already talked about on the show, Derek Stingley now also out for six to eight weeks, their former first-round cornerback mm-hmm. in the secondary. Uh, it, it just keeps on pressing the formula for the Texans to continue throwing 44-plus times. And I think we get that again since the Jaguars are uh, two-score favorites in this game. So, yeah, I do think it's a lot more volume. He's clearly finding one premier wide receiver, and everyone's kind of working their way in. Tank Dale's getting more run now as well with Noah Brown on inner reserve. But Nico Collins is, is very clearly the guy there. 23.5% target share, uh, depth to target over 13 yards. So he's earning volume, and he's earning it deep as a alpha profile. Um, re- remember as well, Nico Collins was recruited to Alabama and LSU as a freshman coming out of college, but he chose Jim Harbaugh because Harbaugh was all the rage whenever he signed with Michigan. And so Collins does have this alpha profile, high recruit profile that we look for. Plus like at six, three around tank Dale, no one else can play the role. Nico Collins does. Uh, he has to stay on the field <laughs> permanently. So I always look to Nico Collins overs because I don't think the NFL and the markets are viewing him as like an alpha wide receiver one yet, but he is that. Whether it's in fantasy football, whether it's in real life in the props, people aren't viewing him as the profile he actually has and the pedigree he's had throughout his career yet. So that's something I always look to. And in this game, I also, outside of C.J. Stroud, just looking good and getting the volume again, uh, I also like Travis Etienne overs because you could not pick the run out for Etienne better. His share of the team's backfield touches increased to 88% from week one to week two because the team is still pissed off. Tank Bigsby doesn't know the NFL rules. And now (laughs) you have this Texans front seven that's allowing the eighth highest rate of explosive runs against them. As two score favorites, it really seems like one where we yet again, like week one, scale Jacksonville's three wide sets down. We all called Christian Kirk blow-up game last week together. It seems like another one where it's just two wide sets and you put the rock in Etienne's belly because they don't trust anyone else. Even Dearness Johnson out-touched Tank Bigsby last week, two to zero. They just give the ball to Etienne and say, run wild. Uh, so I do like Etienne overs and ladders in this game as well. We cannot celebrate a Friday without John Daigle of 4 for 4 and Betsperts. John, thank you so much. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we continue to roll through the NFL card. Broncos, Dolphins, Bills, Commanders, and more right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.